السلام علیکم و اللہ First of the companions that I will mention today who took part in the battle of Badr is Hazrat Khirash bin Sima Ansari radiallahu anhu. Hazrat Khirash belonged to the Banu Jushim tribe, a branch of the Khazraj. His mother's name was Umm Habib and Salma, Abdul Rahman and Aisha were among the children of Hazrat Khirash radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Hazrat Khirash radiallahu anhu participated in the battles of Badr and Uhud and he sustained 10 injuries on the occasion of the battle of Uhud. Hazrat Khirash radiallahu ta'ala anhu was counted among the skilled archers of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Hazrat Khirash radiallahu ta'ala anhu took Abul As, the son-in-law of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, as captive and imprisoned him during the battle of Badr. The second companion to be mentioned is Hazrat Ubaid bin Tayyihan radiallahu ta'ala anhu. The name of Hazrat Ubaid bin Tayyihan is also reported as Atik bin Tayyihan. His mother's name was Layla bin Tayyihan and he was the brother of Hazrat Abul Haysam bin Layyihan. He was also among the confederates of Banu Abdul Ashal and participated in the bayt akba along with 70 Ansar. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, established a bond of brotherhood, i.e. muakhat, between him and Hazrat Masood bin Rabi radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Hazrat Ubaid bin Tayyihan participated in the Battle of Badr along with his brother Hazrat Abul Haysam, and he attained martyrdom during the Battle of Uhud and he was martyred by Ikrma bin Abu Jahl. However, in another narration it states that he was martyred during the Battle of Siffin whilst fighting on the side of Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And so there exists a difference of opinion regarding this matter, but in any case, the common factor in both of the narrations is that he was martyred. Two sons, namely Hazrat Ubaidullah and Hazrat Abad radiallahu anhumah, are mentioned to be among his children, and according to the account of Tabari, Hazrat Abad radiallahu ta'ala anhu also participated in the battle of Badr. And in regards to Hazrat Ubaidullah radiallahu anhu, it states that he was martyred during the battle of Yamama. Then the next companion is Hazrat Abu Hanna Malik bin Amr radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Abu Hanna was his title, while his actual name was Malik bin Amr. And Muhammad bin Umar Waqdi has counted him among those who took part in the Battle of Badr. 
However, there exists a difference of opinion regarding his name. In some narrations, his name is reported as Amir and also Sabit bin Numan. His title is also reported as Abu Habba and Abu Hayya. However, Muhammad bin Umar Waqdi states that two people are reported to have the title of Abu Habba. One is Abu Habba bin Ghazia bin Amr and the other is Abu Habba bin Abd Amr al-Mazini. But neither of the two participated in the Battle of Badr and none of the participants of the Battle of Badr bore the title of Abu Habba. An individual who participated in the Battle of Badr did however bear the title of Abu Hanna and due to this he emphasizes that his title was indeed Abu Hanna. The next companion to be mentioned is Hazrat Abdullah bin Zaid bin Salba radiallahu ta'ala anhu. He was also known as Abdullah bin Zaid Ansari and his title was Abu Muhammad. His father's name was Hazrat Zaid bin Salba radiallahu anhu and he also was a companion of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him. Hazrat Abdullah bin Zaid bin Salba radiallahu ta'ala anhu belonged to the Banu Jushim tribe from the Khazraj branch and he participated in the Bayt Aqba along with 70 Ansar. Hazrat Abdullah bin Zaid bin Salba radiallahu ta'ala anhu participated in the battles of Badr, Uhud and Khandaq and all other battles along with the Holy Prophet peace be upon him. At the time of the victory of Mecca, he was carrying the flag of Banu Haris bin Khazraj and Hazrat Abdullah bin Zaid radiallahu ta'ala anhu was proficient in writing Arabic prior to his acceptance of Islam. And this was at a time when writing was very uncommon among the Arabs and there were only a few people who knew how to write. The children of Hazrat Abdullah bin Zaid radiallahu ta'ala anhu remained in Medina. One of his sons was called Muhammad who was born to him from his wife Sada bint Qulab. And one of his daughters was Umm Humad who was, whose mother was from Yemen. His brother Hures bin Zahid was amongst the companions of Badr and the name of one of his sisters was Quraiba bin Tezad, and she was also counted amongst the female companions of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Hazrat Abdullah bin Zaid radiallahu ta'ala anhu is that very companion who was told the words of the Azan, i.e. the Islamic call to prayer, in a dream. Subsequently, he informed the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, about this, upon which the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, instructed Hazrat Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu to call the Azan according to the words Hazrat Abdullah saw in the dream. The incident occurred in the first year of Hijrah, after the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, had constructed Masjid-e-Nabwi. And the details of this are as follows, that Hazrat Abu Umair bin Anas Ansari radiallahu ta'ala anhu, who was from among the Ansar, and he narrates from his paternal uncles, that they said that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, considered how to gather Muslims for prayer. And it was suggested to him that a flag should be hoisted at the time of prayer, and when people observe it, they will inform each other of the time of prayer. However, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, did not approve of this suggestion. The narrator then says that the blowing of a horn was suggested to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, that is to adopt the method of the Jews by blowing loudly into a horn. However, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, again did not approve of this, as this was the method of the Jews. The narrator then says that the use of a bell was mentioned to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and the Holy Prophet said that this was the method of the Christian. Hazrat Abdullah bin Zaid returned, and felt anxious due to the concerns of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And so he offered supplications and says that he was subsequently shown the words of the Azan in a dream. Hazrat Abdullah bin Zaid radiallahu ta'ala anhu continues to narrate that he saw a person in a dream who was holding a bell in his hand. And he inquired that, O servant of God, are you going to sell this? He replied, that what are you going to do with it? I said that we will use it to call people towards prayer. He replied, shall I tell you something that is better than this? I said, why not? Hazrat Abdullah radiallahu ta'ala anhu says that he then repeated the words of the Azan, which were as follows, that Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, Ashhadu anna Muhammad rasulullah, Ashhadu anna Muhammad rasulullah, 
I shall also read its translation as it will prove beneficial for children as well as for Muslim converts. We hear the Azan daily. However, I have observed that some are not aware of its translation. And the translation is that Allah is the greatest, Allah is the greatest, and this is to be repeated four times. And then it is I bear witness that there is none worthy of worship except Allah. And this is to be repeated twice. Then it is that I bear witness that Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, is the messenger of Allah. And this is also to be repeated twice. It then states that Hayya ala salah, that is, that come to prayer, come to prayer. It is then followed by Hayya ala al which is to come to success, come to success. Allah is the greatest. This again is to be repeated twice. And it is then to be followed by La ilaha illallah, that is, there is none worthy of worship except Allah. He then continues to narrate that after repeating these words, this individual distanced himself somewhat from me and then said, when you are standing ready to pray, you should say the following. And he then repeated the words of the takbir, which are, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, Ashhadu anna Muhammad rasulullah Hayya ala salah, hayya ala al-falah, qad qamatis salah, qad qamatis salah, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, la ilaha illallah. These are the same words of the Azan, but with the addition of Qad Qamatis Salah, that is that prayer has begun, prayer has begun. And following this, the same words of Allah is the greatest, Allah is the greatest are repeated. Hazrat Abdullah radiallahu ta'ala anhu further states that the next morning I presented myself before the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and informed him of what I saw. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said that if Allah wills, this is a true dream. He then said, Stand with Bilal and tell him what you saw, so that he may call the azan according to those words, as his voice is louder than yours. Hence, I stood with Bilal and continued to tell him the words, and he continued to call the azan accordingly. The narrator further states that Hazrat Umar bin Khattab ta'ala anhu was in his home when he heard the words of the azan. He left his home, dragging along his cloth, which was used as a covering over one's garment, and said that, O Prophet of Allah, I swear by him who has sent you with the truth, I saw exactly what he saw in his dream. Upon hearing this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said that all praise belongs to Allah the Exalted. And in another narration it states that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said that to Allah belongs all praise, this indeed is the truth. Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmed Sahib ta'ala anhu, has written further details to this account in Sirat Khatm al-Nabiyyin by the life and character of the seal of the Prophets using various sources of Islamic history. He writes, Until now there was no arrangement for a call to Salat or Azan etc. And the companions would generally congregate in the mosque at the approximate time themselves. These state of affairs however were not satisfactory. And upon the construction of masjid nabwi the question as to how Muslims would be congregated at the appropriate time was felt even more. One companion proposed the use of a bell like the Christians, someone proposed the use of a trumpet like the Jews, and others made other suggestions. However, Hazrat Umar ta'ala anhu proposed that an individual be appointed to announce that it is time for Salat at the appointed time. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, approved this proposal, and appointed Hazrat Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu to perform this duty. As such, after this, when the time for Salat would arrive, Hazrat Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu would announce in a loud voice, As-Salatu Jami'ah, and people would congregate for the Salat. As a matter of fact, the very small call would be made if it was necessary to congregate the Muslims in the mosque for a purpose other than Salat as well. And at times afterwards, the words of the current Azan were taught to a companion named 
Abdullah bin Zaid Ansari radiyallahu ta'ala anhu in a dream. He presented himself before the Holy Prophet peace be upon him and mentioned this dream saying that I saw an individual in my dream call out such and such words as if calling the azan. The Holy Prophet peace be upon him said that this dream is from Allah and instructed Hazrat Abdullah radiyallahu ta'ala anhu to teach these words to Hazrat Bilal radiyallahu anhu. A strange coincidence was that when Hazrat Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu called out the azan in these words for the very first time, upon hearing them, Hazrat Umar radiallahu anhu made haste to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and said, O Messenger of Allah, today the words in which Bilal radiallahu anhu called out the azan were exactly those which I also saw in my dream. And in one narration it has also been related that when the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, heard these words of the azan, he said, the revelation has already been sent down as such. Bashir bin Muhammad relates from his father that Hazrat Abdullah bin Zaid radiallahu ta'ala anhu, i.e. the companion who saw a dream about the azan, offered his entire wealth in charity and nothing remained with him. The wealth they had was their only means of provisions for him and his son. And so when Hazrat Abdullah bin Zaid radiallahu ta'ala anhu handed everything to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, his father approached the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and requested that, O Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Abdullah bin Zaid radiallahu anhu has offered his wealth towards charity. However, that wealth was serving as a means of our provisions. And so, when the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, heard this, he called for Abdullah bin Zaid radiallahu anhu and stated that indeed, Allah the Almighty has accepted the charity that you have offered. However, now you should return this to your parents as an endowment. Thus, his father states that they acquired this wealth as an inheritance and the future generations were able to obtain a share from it later on. On one occasion, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, bestowed his nails to Hazrat Abdullah bin Zaid radiallahu ta'ala anhu as a blessed gift. The details of this incident are that Muhammad, the son of Hazrat Abdullah bin Zaid radiallahu ta'ala anhu narrates that on the occasion of Hajjatul Wida, his father was with the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, in the field of Mina at the Manhar, i.e. the place where the sacrifices are offered. And there was another person from among the Ansar who was present there as well. When the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, distributed the sacrificed animals, Hazrat Abdullah bin Zaid radiallahu ta'ala anhu and his Ansari companion did not get anything. Thereafter, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, had his hair cut and placed his hair on a piece of cloth and distributed these among the people. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then had his nails cut and granted them to Hazrat Abdullah bin Zaid radiallahu ta'ala anhu and his Ansari companion. Hazrat Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha narrates that a person came to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and requested, O Messenger of Allah, by God, you are undoubtedly more beloved to me than my own self, my family, and even my children. He then said that I was at home thinking about you and I could not hold my hold myself back to the point that I just had to come and meet you and now I am looking at you. When I thought about the idea of you and I passing away, I realized that after entering paradise you shall be exalted along with the other prophets. And so I became afraid that when I enter paradise, I will not be able to find you. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, did not respond to this person until Hazrat Jibrail descended with the revelation of the following verse. That is, وَمَنْ يُطِئِ اللَّهَ وَالرَّسُولِ فَأُولَٰئِكَ مَعَ الَّذِينَ أَنْأَمَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِمْ مِنَ النَّبِيِّينَ وَالصِّدِّقِينَ وَالشُّهَدَاءِ وَالصَّالِحِينَ That is, and whoso 
obeys Allah and this messenger of his, shall be among those on whom Allah has bestowed his blessings, namely the prophets, the truthful, the martyrs and the righteous. And so, we present this verse to support the argument that one can attain the status of a non-law-bearing prophet through one's devotion and subservience to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And also, through one's complete obedience to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, one can progress from being at the stages of righteous to the status of a prophet. In any case, the status of a non-law-bearing prophet, which can only be achieved through one's subservience and obedience to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, is indeed a lofty status, and God Almighty can grant this status to whomsoever he wills. Moreover, in relation to the promised Messiah, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, himself has used the words Nabiullah, i.e. that he will be a prophet of God. And for this reason, we accept that the promised Messiah والسلام, as a non-law-bearing prophet who came in the complete servitude of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And this does not cause any blemish on the finality of his prophethood. Rather, it elevates the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, status further, making the blessing of prophethood attainable, but only through the servitude of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And we are not alone in holding this interpretation, in fact, previous saints and scholars have presented it as well. For instance, Imam Raghib has also stated that a non-law-bearing prophet can come after the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, but only through complete obedience to him. However, I have mentioned this as an additional point in light of this verse so that the matter is properly clarified. Allama Zarkani writes that this particular incident is found in various books of Quranic commentary and mentions the name Suban who was a servant of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Whereas in Tafsir Yambul Hayat, it is written with reference to Muqatil bin Suleiman, which narrates that it was Abdullah bin Zaid al-Ansari, i.e. the companion who had seen the words of the Azan in his dream, as the one who said this to the Holy Prophet in the aforementioned incident. However, Allama Zarkani writes that if this is the case, it is likely that both may have mentioned it to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, upon which this Quranic verse was revealed. In fact, such narrations are also found where several companions have made mention of this to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Thus, aside from the aforementioned incident, various commentaries have also mentioned Hazrat Subhan anhu's incident and what he said to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Its details is as follows. The Hazrat Subhan anhu had intense love for the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him and could not bear to be away from him too long. One day, when he presented himself before the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, he seemed greatly perturbed and looked to be in a state of great sorrow. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, inquired of the cause of why he was overcome with such a state. Hazrat Subhan radiallahu anhu replied that he suffered from neither ailment nor disease, except that he had not seen the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Meaning the only reason for this down and distressed expression was the result of not having seen the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, for such a long time. He then said, I remained in this state until I finally met you. Similarly, when I thought of the Day of Judgment, I again was overcome with a state of fear, as I realized I would not be in your blessed presence, for you would have been exalted to a higher station in Paradise with the other Prophets. And then, even if I am granted entry to Paradise, my status would be far too insignificant to yours. And if I am not granted entry, I would forever be left bereft of seeing you. Then, Alama Zarqani further writes that Hazrat Abdullah bin Zaid radiallahu ta'ala anhu was once working in his garden. Here the mention of Hazrat Abdullah now recontinues and it states that his son came informing him of the demise of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him. Upon hearing this, Hazrat Abdullah bin Zaid radiallahu ta'ala anhu stated Allahumma zhab basri hatta la ara ba'da habibi muhammadan ahada. That is, O oh Allah, take from me my sight, so that after the departure of my beloved Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, I may not have to see another individual again. 
It is written in the commentary of Zarqani that after this incident, his eyesight gradually declined until he became completely blind. And regarding the demise of Hazrat Abdullah bin Zaid radiallahu ta'ala anhu, it is written that there is a difference of opinion. Some have written that he passed away after the Battle of Uhud. However, majority have written that he took part in all battles alongside the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and passed away much later in the year 32 Hijri during the Caliphate of Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala anhu in the city of Medina. Likewise, the incident regarding the loss of his eyesight, if accepted to be accurate, also points to his passing away in the time of Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala anhu at the age of 64. And his funeral prayer was led by Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Then the next companion is Hazrat Muaz bin Amr bin Jamu radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Hazrat Muaz bin Amr bin Jamu belonged to a branch of the Banu Khazraj called Banu Salama and he participated in the second bath at Aqba as well as the battles of Badr and Uhud. His father, Hazrat Amr bin Jamu radiallahu ta'ala anhu, was a companion of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, who was martyred in the battle of Uhud. His mother's name was Hind bint Amr, and according to Musa bin Uqba, Abu Mashir and Muhammad bin Amr Waqdi, his brother Mu'avviz bin Amr also partook in the battle of Badr. His wife's name was Subaita bint Amr, who belonged to the Banu Sa'idah, a branch of the Banu Khazraj tribe, and he had a son with her named Abdullah and a daughter named Umama. Hazrat Muaz anhu participated in the second bath at Aqba, but his father Amr bin Jamu, however, remained firm upon his idolatrous beliefs. And the story of the conversion of Hazrat Muaz's father is recorded in Sirat ibn Hisham, and about a year ago I mentioned this story in relation to his account. When those who had participated in the second bath at Akbar returned to Medina, they began to actively spread the message of Islam, and there were still some elders among their people who were fixated on their polytheistic beliefs, and among these were also Amr bin Jamu, and his son Hazrat Muaz bin Amr had participated in the second bath at Akbar and had pledged allegiance on this occasion to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Amr bin Jamu was among the chiefs of the Banu Salma tribe, and was one of their elders as well. And he kept an idol carved from wood in his house, as was the practice of elders in those days. This idol was called Manat, and they would show respect to it and revere it. When some young men from the Banu Salma tribe accepted Islam, among whom was also Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal and the son of Amr bin Jamu, Hazrat Muaz bin Amr bin Jamu radiallahu anhu, who was also among the group of youth who had converted at the second bath at Akbar, one night these young men entered into his idol chamber and brought back the idol and laid it down face first in a pit that was dug out for the Banu Salma tribe to throw away their waste. The next morning, when Amr woke up, he cursed those who had taken away their idol in the night and had shown enmity towards it. He then went in search of it and when he found it, he washed it and cleaned it, saying, I swear to God, if I find out who has done this to you, I will certainly ruin him. And when the night fell and Amr would be asleep, his son would repeat the act. And again, when morning came, Amr bin Jamu did the same thing. He would undertake the same effort to look for it, wash it, etc. And so, when several nights passed like this, Amr bin Jamu removed the idol from where it had been thrown, washed it and cleaned it. He then brought his sword and hung it around its neck, saying, By God, I don't know who is doing this to you. So if you have any power at all, here is a sword I leave with you. Use it to stop him. He then placed the sword by the idol, and when the sun set and Amr went to sleep, the same youth among whom was also his son, did the same thing to the idol again. Removing the sword from around his neck, they tied the idol to a dead dog with a rope and casting it to an old well of the Banu Salma tribe which was used to dispose of waste. When Amr bin Jamu awoke in the morning and didn't find the idol where he had left it, he went out in search of it until he found it lying face first tied to a dead dog in the well.
And when he witnessed this sight, the truth of his erred ways opened up to him. The Muslims of his tribe also introduced him to the teachings of Islam, and by Allah's mercy he became a Muslim. This incident has been recorded in the Seerah of Ibn Hisham, and it also states that Amr said that this idol couldn't even do anything with a sword. What benefit could there possibly be in worshipping such a god? Hazrat Muaz bin Amr bin Jamu took part in the killing of Abu Jahl and it is written in Sahih Bukhari that Saleh bin Ibrahim narrates on the authority of his grandfather Abdul Rahman bin Auf that he stated that I was standing in the rows for battle on the day of Badr when I looked to my right and my left and I saw two Ansari youths standing on either side of me. At that moment I wished that I was in between two people who were more mature and stronger one of the youths nudged my hand and asked, O oh my uncle, do you recognize Abu Jahl? To which I said, Indeed, I recognize him. But why is it that you ask? The youth replied, That I heard that he would use foul language against the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And I swear by the one in whose hands is my life. If I see him, I will not let him out of my sight until the one who is destined to die from among us perishes. He says, I was astonished by this reply. And then the other youth also tapped my hand and made the same inquiry. A short while passed when I saw Abu Jahl walking between the ranks. And I said to the youth, There is the one about whom you inquired. Immediately the two youths drew their swords and cutting the ranks pounced on Abu Jahl and killed him. They then returned to inform the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, of the news. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, asked which one from among them killed him. They both laid claim to the kill. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then asked whether they had wiped their swords after they had killed him. They replied in the negative. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then inspected their swords and said that both of them had in fact killed him. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then said that the spoils of war would be given to Maaz bin Amr bin Jamu. The name of both of the youths was Maaz. One was Maaz bin Afra and the other was Maaz bin Amr bin Jamu. The incident regarding Abu Jahl has been narrated before in the earlier sermons as well, in which it was connected to Maaz and Mu'aviz. Subsequently, this could lead to a doubt as this refers to someone else. But with regards to the killing of Abu Jahl from various books of Hadith, such as the narration of Bukhari as mentioned earlier, as well as from books of history, we learn that Hazrat Maaz bin Amr bin Jamu and Hazrat Muaz bin Afra killed Abu Jahl, and Hazrat Abdullah bin Masood severed the head of Abu Jahl. And in another narration, the names of Muaz and Muawiz are also mentioned. Nonetheless, in Bukhari, there is another narration in which it is stated that Abu Jahl was killed by the two sons of Afra, Muaz and Muawiz, and later Hazrat Abdullah bin Masood dealt the final blow to Abu Jahl. In the narration of Bukhari, the details are as follows. That Hazrat Anas radiallahu ta'ala anhu narrates that on the day of battle of Badr, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said, Who will go to see how Abu Jahl will meet his end? Hazrat Ibn Masood went and saw that the two sons of Afra, Maaz and Mu'abbiz had attacked him with their swords to the extent that he was on the brink of death. Ibn Masood inquired of him, Are you Abu Jahl? And took hold of his bed. Abu Jahl then said, Have you ever killed a person of greater rank? Or perhaps he said, that is there a person more wretched than the one who is killed at the hands of his own people? And so both of these narrations are found in Bukhari. In one narration, both of them are named as Muaz, and in the other incident they are recorded as Muaz and Mu'abiz. In one of the narrations they are stated as two brothers, but in the other narration the two youths are not related. But with regards to how one can reconcile both of these narrations, Hazrat Sayyid Zainul Abidin Waliullah Shah Sahib writes that according to some narrations, the two sons of Afra, Maaz and Mu'aviz, attacked Abu Jahl to the extent that he was taking his last breaths. After this, Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud severed his head. And Imam Ibn Hajar has stated 
that after Maaz bin Amr and Maaz bin Afra attacked Abu Jahl, Mu'awwiz must have attacked him as well. For this reason, in one of the narrations there is mention of two brothers, and in another narration there is mention of two youths who are not related. Also, in the commentary of Fatul Bari, it is written that perhaps all three of them attacked Abu Jahl. Then, Alama Badruddin Aini writes regarding the death of Abu Jahl that Abu Jahl was killed by Maaz bin Amr bin Jamu and Maaz bin Afra, and Hazrat Abdullah bin Masood was the one who then brought the severed head and presented it to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. He further writes that in Sahih Muslim it is written that Maaz bin Amr bin Jamu and Maaz bin Afra killed Abu Jahl. And Maaz bin Afra's father was Haris bin Rifa'ah and his mother's name was Afra, who was the daughter of Ubaid bin Salban Najariya. Similarly, in Bukhari, Kitabul Jihad, Bab Malam Yakhmus Aslab, it is written that Hazrat Maaz bin Amr cut the leg of Abu Jahl, as a result of which he fell down. Subsequently, Mu'awwiz also launched an attack and left him on the ground. When Abu Jahl had little life left in him, Hazrat Abdullah bin Masood dealt him the final blow, severing his head. He then further writes that if one questions as to the reason why all these incidents need to be mentioned, then I would say that perhaps they all had a hand in the killing of Abu Jahl. Then, according to one narration of Zarqani, when Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud found Abu Jahl when he was on the brink of death, Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud put his leg on Abu Jahl's neck and said, O enemy of God, God Almighty has humiliated you. Upon this, Abu Jahl replied in an arrogant manner that I have not been humiliated and that have you ever killed a person more greater than me? Meaning that he did not feel any humiliation then Abu Jahl asked who had been victorious in the battle. Hazrat Abdullah bin Masood replied that God and his messenger وسلم, were victorious. Then, according to another narration, it is stated that Abu Jahl said, I was his, i.e. Muhammad wasallam's enemy all his life. And even today, my enmity has not subsided in the slightest. Hazrat Abdullah bin Masood then severed his head and brought it to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Upon this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated, just as I am the most beloved and revered of God from among all the prophets and my people are the most revered from all other nations. Similarly, Abu Jahl is the most severe and violent pharaoh of all those who had pharaoh-like traits. It is for this reason it is mentioned about him saying, this has been mentioned in Surah Yunus in the Holy Quran, meaning, till when the calamity of drowning overtook him, he said, I believe that there is no God but He in whom the children of Israel believe. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said that the Pharaoh of this era is the gravest in terms of enmity and disbelief, and this can be seen from the last words of Abu Jahl. Aside from this, in another narration it is stated when the Holy Prophet peace be upon him received news of the death of Abu Jahl and saw his head, he said that there is no God but Allah. Similarly, the Holy Prophet peace be upon him repeated three times that all praise is due to Allah who honoured Islam and its followers. In another narration it states that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated that every nation has a pharaoh and in this era the pharaoh was Abu Jahl 
who God Almighty destroyed in a terrible manner. Hazrat Muaz bin Amr bin Jammu passed away during the caliphate of Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Khalifa bin Khayyat states that on the day of the Battle of Badr, Muaz bin Amr bin Jammu suffered a wound as a result of which he remained unwell until the caliphate of Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And he passed away in Medina and Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala anhu led his funeral prayer and buried him in Jannatul Baqi. Hazrat Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala anhu narrates that the Holy Prophet peace be upon him said Muaz bin Amr bin Jammu was an exceptional individual. May God Almighty shower his endless mercy on all these people who immersed themselves in the love of God and his beloved and attained their pleasure. After the Friday prayers, I will lead a funeral prayer in absentia of respected Malik Sultan Harun Khan Sahib, who passed away on the 27th of March in Islamabad, Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. Surely to Allah we belong, and to Him shall we return. His eldest son is the son-in-law of Hazrat Khalifatul Masih IV, Rahimahullah, and married to his youngest daughter, Malik Sultan Harun Sahib was a born Ahmadi and his father's name was Kanu Malik Sultan Muhammad Khan Sahib who did the bayt at the hands of Hazrat Muslim Aud Allah Anhu in 1923 at the age of 23. At the time he was the only Ahmadi in his family and Hazrat Muslim Aud Anhu himself arranged his marriage with respected Aisha Sadiqa Sahiba, daughter of Hazrat Chaudhary Fateh Muhammad Siyal Sahib. The deceased belonged to a very honourable and noble family of the Punjab and Malik Amir Muhammad Khan, who was the governor of West Pakistan and was famously known by the title of Nawab Kalabal, was the paternal cousin of Malik Sultan Harun Khan Sahib's father, in other words, Colonel Malik Sultan Muhammad Sahib. His grandfather was Malik Sultan Surakh Ru Khan Sahib, and in those days, India and Pakistan were a colony of the British Empire. However, owing to his status of Nawab, he was held in high regard by them. And he said that four years after the birth of his son, Malik Sultan Muhammad Khan Sahib also had the honour of accepting Ahmadiyyat. Despite heavily immersed in worldly endeavours, he had an inclination towards faith, and due to this, God Almighty blessed him with the opportunity to accept Ahmadiyyat. Sultan Harun Khan Sahib was married to Sabiha Hamid Sahiba, daughter of Chaudhary Abdul Hamid Sahib, who was a general manager at Wabda. Hazrat Khalifatul Masih III, Rahimullah, led their nikah, and during the nikah sermon, regarding Chaudhary Fateh Muhammad Siyal Sahib, who was a pioneer missionary in England, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih III stated, That Chaudhary Fateh Muhammad Siyal Sahib was a well-respected elder of mine and I am indeed indebted to him for his kindness. Hazrat Khalifatul Masih III further stated that at a young age, while still inexperienced, he would take me along with him and provided me with many opportunities to enhance my experience. My affinity for those living in rural areas, which was concealed in my heart, was able to be manifested through the opportunities I received by staying with Chaudhary Fateh Muhammad Siyal Sahib. Hazrat Khalifatul Masih III further states that even now when a simple villager meets me, I enjoy the frank and straightforward conversation far greater than if I were to have a conversation with someone from the city. This is because those living in the cities have a habit of employing many formalities in their style of speech. And thus, owing to this habit of theirs, I also naturally start conversing with them in a similar way. Hazrat Khalifatul Masih III further states, Nevertheless, today I shall lead the nikah ceremony of the grandson of this benevolent elder of mine, 
Malik Sultan Harun Khan, son of Colonel Sultan Muhammad Khan. Hazrat Khalifatul Masih III further stated that members should pray that just as our elders selflessly and with great sincerity serve the religion of God, may the same passion to serve the faith and the spirit of sacrifice continue extraordinarily in their progeny. And so by mentioning this again today at the occasion of his funeral, I pray that may Allah the Almighty enable Malik Harun Sahib's progeny to not only maintain a relationship with Ahmadiyyat and Khilafat, but to further strengthen it. The deceased has three sons and three daughters, and as I mentioned, his eldest son, Sultan Khan Sahib, is the son-in-law of Hazrat Khalifatul Masih IV. Malik Harun Sahib took great care of the poor and needy of the local area. In particular, he treated those women who had genuine needs with great kindness. The women also mentioned that while Malik Sahib was alive, we felt very safe in our area. But now after his demise, we feel very scared. There is a lot of hostility and insensitivity in the area of Atak, and the poor are neglected of their rights. But despite being a landowner and an influential individual of the area, he took great care of the poor. Sultan Harun Khan Sahib's sister, Rashida Sayal Sahib, who resides in Canada, says that my brother Sultan Harun Khan Sahib possessed many qualities. He had a great sense of honor for Ahmadiyyat and was willing to sacrifice his life for the institution of Khilafat. He was truly loyal to his friends and courageous in the face of the enemy. He supported the poor and needy. And she further states that once Hazrat Khalifatul Masih IV wrote a letter to me stating, that your father, Colonel Sultan Muhammad Khan Sahib, was like an unsheathed sword for Ahmadiyyat, and your brothers share the same quality. Once, there was a lot of hostility in that area. Firstly, there would be a lot of enmity over land and wealth. But then due to Ahmadiyyat, there was also a lot of hostility as well. So she writes that Hazrat Khalifatul Masih III, Rahimullah, said that bullets will be fired, but they will fly over you, and inshallah nothing will happen to you. She further writes, They witnessed how the words of the third Khalifa proved to be true. In 1977, an attempt was made to assassinate Malik Sultan Harun Sahib at the Fatah Jung police station, and shots were fired at him, but the bullets just brushed over the hair of his head, and he did not even sustain a scratch. Thus, God Almighty protected him in a miraculous manner. He was extremely generous towards the poor, and greatly supported those who were helpless and weak. His elder brother, Malik Sultan Rashid Khan Sahib states, that after the demise of our father, Malik Sultan Harun Sahib was the head of our family. And despite all my efforts, he would always excel ahead of me when it came to serving the Jamaat. He was a true and ardent devotee of the promised Messiah alayhi salatu wasalam, and for khilafat e Ahmadiyyat. After the events of 1974, a high-ranked officer once asked him in front of me about the state of his faith in Khilafat, and he responded in Punjabi that it was like metal, i.e. his faith in the institution of Khilafat was as strong as metal. And during the migration of Hazrat Khalifatul Masih IV, he had the opportunity to accompany him in the travel up to Karachi. Rashid Sahib further writes, and in some of the letters which I have kept preserved of Hazrat Khalifatul Masih IV, he mentioned that he was a general of Ahmadiyyat and an unsheathed sword in his love and honour for Ahmadiyyat. Rashid Sahib further writes, As far as his nawafil, I voluntary prayers during the night and bond with the Holy Qur'an is concerned, very few people will know because he never spoke about this. However, in both aspects he was very regular. Perhaps I too would not have come to know of this had I not shared the same room with him for four months during my severe illness in 2016. He says that during those days it was extremely difficult for me to stand up and sit down and he stayed with me in the same room in order to take care of me. It was during that time that I witnessed him reciting the Holy Quran and offering his nawafil regularly. He states I asked him to appoint a few people to look after me instead of him looking after me. But he said that what need was there for employing anyone when he was there to look after him. Rashid Sahib further writes that he was a very caring person and through many efforts he built 9 to 10 schools. 
and if ever a time came when he did not have enough funds to pay for the construction of the school, he himself would work alongside the labourers and would say to them that he was doing more work than them. And he never entertained the thought that he was the son of a Nawab or that he was a landowner. His daughter, Mahmuda Sultana Kashif, writes, that my father's love and loyalty for the institution of Khilafat is not hidden from anyone. She says that right from my birth, my father always taught us to always place our faith in God Almighty and to pray to him in all our dealings and that nothing can be achieved without prayer. She says that he had great trust in God Almighty and was an extremely courageous and brave man. He did not fear anyone except God Almighty and he was always ready to serve mankind. Similarly, his son Sultan Muhammad Khan writes that my father did a great deal of social work. He built eight schools and helped construct another two and also donated some land for the use of a graveyard. He gave land for eight schools to be built and he gave numerous poor people jobs and helped them in every way possible. May God Almighty grant him his mercy and forgiveness and enable his progeny to continue his good deeds and remain attached with the Jamaat and the institution of Khilafat as I mentioned earlier, that I should lead the funeral prayer in absentia after the Friday prayers. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Nahmadu wa nasta'inu wa nasta'khiru wa nu'minu bi wa natawakkalu ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يعده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد ان لا اله الا الله ونشهد أن محمدا نبه ورسوله عباد الله رحمكم الله إن الله يعمر بالعدل واللسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعزكم لعلكم تذكرون اذكروا الله يذكركم ودوه يستجب لكم وذكر الله يطرق <تصفيق>